So that's what happens when you get caught up in the Lord shining his face towards you, being gracious to you and giving you peace and all that. You're just not prepared to transition <laughs> as prepared as I want to be anyway. But Lord, we do ask you that you would continue to pour out your spirit upon us. We pray that you would fill this place and the places that are connected with us via live stream with your presence. Lord, as we have already seen your glory and the weight of your presence is such that when we come in contact with it, we are changed. And Lord, we want to be changed to be more like you. And so I pray that you would please be with us as we hear from your word. I pray that you would be encountered as we look into your word. I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase. I pray that if there's anything that is said that is amiss, that uh, you would cause us to forget it, will cause them to forget it and cause me to remember it and to be corrected on it, Lord. Uh, Lord, I pray that you will be glorified and I pray that you would make, um, that you would, that you would confuse and confound the wise by using something foolish like me apart from you to speak your word because you've brought me into you. So thank you, Lord. Bless your name. Amen. One of the uh, most beautiful uh, aspects of being able to look into scripture is to see how uh, the family dynamic plays out uh, historically through the Israelites and then not just seeing how it plays out historically with them, but how that same dynamic plays out in the church. So uh, I guess, you know, my mind consistently goes back, especially the older I get, um, to uh, the story of, of Jacob and, and Joseph, where uh, Jacob goes, well, he gets his family, whole family into Egypt. And at some point, obviously, uh, Jacob passes away. But on his way to passing away, he gathers all of his people together and then he blesses them. He speaks over them, right? Um, and this is a dynamic that you see happen throughout um, all of, all of, all of uh, biblical history. So you, you see Moses, before he dies, he gathers the people of Israel together in Deuteronomy 29, verses 1 through 9, and he, he tells them, uh, he reminds them of what the law is, and he reminds them of what God requires of them. Joshua, before he passes away in Joshua chapter 24, uh, we find that the great, we all know that Joshua is the one who said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Where he says that at is verse 15, and he does it in the context of reminding the Israelites of who they are, <laughs> who they've been, what God calls them to. And therefore, he says, hey, look, you guys have been fickle. He doesn't say it like this. I'm just, this is my own interpretation, my own translation. So he says, you guys have been fickle, but as for me and my house, we're not following you. We're doing what God calls us to do. And then Paul in, in, in uh, Acts chapter 20, 
he gathers the Ephesian elders together because he knows that he's not going to see them again. And then he warns them about about uh, about uh, those who come and they'll try to they'll try to, you know, uh, uh, they'll be like savage wolves attacking the church of God. And he said that even among some of them will rise up men who would do that. And then to his son in the gospel, Timothy, Paul does a similar thing in chapter 4, verses uh, 1 through 5. He lets Timothy know what's required of him because he realizes that he's leaving. Now, we don't have anyone leaving that we know of. I mean, God can do anything and surprise us all. But that we know of, we, we do not. But we have been in a series called Kingdom Recalibration. We've already established the need that we need to recalibrate every now and then. And, uh, and we, we saw last week the need for repentance. And the next read that we need to do is we need to review. Because sometimes the people of God forget what they're called to. Or it's not at the forefront of their minds in the way that it should be. And so we're going to spend some time in 2 Peter looking at how Peter reminded his folk. But this is what he said to them. He said this in uh, the first chapter verses 12 through 15. He says, therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though, even though you know them and are established in the truth you now have. I think it is right as long as I am bodily, as long as I'm in this bodily tent to wake you up with a reminder, since I know that I will soon lay aside my tent. That means his body, right? As our Lord Jesus Christ has indeed made clear to me. And so I will make every effort so that you are able to recall these things at any time after my departure. So Peter is going to review with them things that they already know so that when he is gone, they are able to recall these things. My mind goes uh, to where Paul talks about how in his absence uh, over in Philippians chapter two, in his absence, that people are to obey all the more. They're to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. When he's present, it seems like when, you know, there's positive peer pressure and negative peer pressure. Usually we focus on the negative, but the positive is when certain people are around, sometimes we step our game up. So when I was coming up, when the big boys from my neighborhood were around, we stepped our game up. Whether it was playing basketball, whether it was doing something else, we stepped our game up because for some reason we knew that they had our back and that gave us a little bit more confidence. Now to review, the word review is a noun. Um, <clears throat> and, oh, I'm, I'm, you, know, I'm, you know, me saying that just reminded me that we have Darren and Viviana here uh, for their first time as a married couple. So uh, welcome, Darren and Viviana. Congratulations. Um, now, I remember that when I said now because Viviana is a teacher. Um, and so, um, so God bless you with this upcoming year, uh, Viviana. But the word review, um, it, it's a noun. And it's the process of going over a subject again and study or recitation in order to fix it in the memory. So Peter and Paul and Moses and Joshua found it helpful to review with the people of God 
things that they need to remember when they are no longer around, meaning those leaders are no longer around. So let's look in depth at Peter's review, um, and we'll start doing that by looking at the first verse of the chapter. So uh, he go ahead. He goes ahead and he introduces himself, Simeon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received faith equal to ours, though through, excuse me, the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of the Lord, excuse me, and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these we have been given, excuse me, by these we, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, you will keep, excuse me, they will keep you <clears throat> from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. Then he picks up what we already read. Therefore, in light of all that you've just heard, Therefore, I will remind you about these things, even though you know them and are established in the truth you now have. I think it is right, as long as I am in this bodily tent, to wake you up with a reminder, since I know that I, soon, I will soon lay aside my tent, as our Lord Jesus Christ has indeed made clear to me. And I will also make every effort so that you are able to recall these things at any time after my departure. So the way that we're going to work through this message is that we're going to review what we've just heard. So we're going to look at, at Peter's review for his congregation, if you would. Um, and then we're going to look at our personal review as individuals who are in Christ. And then we're going to look at our corporate view, review, excuse me, as members of Solid Rock Church. So as you saw, Peter uh, in, in verses 1 and 2, he just introduces himself. This is a common way that books, uh, letters back then were, were, uh, uh, were written. He, he announces who he is, Simeon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And then who he's writing to, he's not writing to any specific locale. So he's not, it's not you know, the, at the church at Thessalonica, the church at Colossus. It's not that it's to a group of people, so it may as well be to us because we too have received faith equal to the apostles. And that will be one thing. So I'm going to interweave some personal, uh, some personal re review in here with what Peter tells 
his, the people he's writing to. So I think one of the things that we need to remember if we're going to recalibrate, if we're going to stay calibrated, if we're going to be able to recalibrate when we've gotten off a little bit, is that our, the faith that we have, it is not a small faith. If you see the faith that the apostles had, even with Jesus present with them, our faith, Peter says, one who walked with him. One, Peter, Peter is not just one who walked with him. We know that Peter was one who was very verbal with the Lord, uh, got in trouble a lot because of the things that he said. Um, but Peter was also bold. So when he's afraid of, of when they're afraid of whether or not they're seeing a ghost on the sea and Jesus says, it's me. And he's like, well, if it's you, then 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 help me to walk on the water like you walking on the water. And he's like, well, come on. And then Peter walks on the water. Usually we remember that Jesus walked on the water. But I think we need to remember as well as Jesus walking on the water, that Jesus did empower Peter to walk on the water as well. Imagine experiencing that. All your life, walking on water the way you do now. Matter of fact, I heard this wild story. Well, it wasn't a story. It was, it was an account of a person who had faith to walk on water. And invited his entire congregation to watch him. He didn't walk on water. <laughs> so I, I don't want anyone to hear that I'm saying, hey, man, like, hey, you, you can leave here today and walk on water. I'm just saying, remember who Peter was. Remember who Peter was. Remember that Peter was the one who he got locked up and the angel woke him up and said, you can leave, right? Remember that the, the church, even though they were praying when he knocked on the door, the girl who, who answered thought it was a ghost. They didn't, even though they were praying, their prayers were not, like their, their faith wasn't big, but the one to whom they prayed, he was big. And that's the same reason why our faith is equal to theirs because it's not about the level of faith, it's about the object of faith. The object of our faith is Jesus Christ, right? So the object of the faith determines the power of the faith, not not how much faith you had. The person who walked on the water and whose congregation never saw him again alive, he had faith. He was ushered into the presence of Jesus if he really known him as well. Our faith is not in our actions. Our faith is not in our experience. Our faith is in Jesus Christ who lived a perfect life and died a death that he did not deserve so that people who don't deserve life could receive life because he, he, he embraced their death. So knowing this, Peter says, to those who have received a faith equal to ours through what? Through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. That's the object of our faith and the source of our faith. He's the one who gives us, he's the one who opens our eyes so that we can recognize him for who he is. And then he goes on to bless them. He says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the knowledge, the learning about, about God and learning about Jesus Christ is supposed to help us, help us to experience grace and experience peace. So, so, 
So uh, Peter goes on, and this is the thing what I wanted to really stress, that the, the object of our faith is like what we need to make sure that we are calibrated toward. Not, not how much we enjoyed worship, not how, much, uh, how well things are going for us, because there'll be times where there are times to, there are time, uh, to weep, there'll be times uh, to, to mourn, there'll be times for all of that. And that, that doesn't mean that our uh, that doesn't mean anything in relation to God in terms of how blessed we are. It just means that we, we, we have to persevere through those things and fight the good fight of faith in them. But this is something that I want, I want us to, to, to really get, and that is that our faith is equal to the apostles because of, because its source is from God, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this is the way Paul said it. In 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, he said, he tells them, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, announcing the mystery of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. I decided, I decided on purpose. So this was intentional on his part to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, in fear and in much trembling, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And look at the why. The why is so that your faith might not be based on human wisdom, but on God's power. So, so, so our, our faith is not in like what people do what we can do, but it's based on the power of God and the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, not the power of God that you're, you know, you and I are able to do in and of ourselves. That's, I think that's one of the reasons why there's such a, 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 a characteristic of prayerlessness among the American church is that there are so many things that we can do in our own power that in other countries they don't have the power to do. And therefore they pray, they go on their face before God and they ask him for the smallest things. When the headache comes, all right, now we might be, when the, when the headache comes, we might, we might start praying now because there's no cure for COVID and that's one of the signs, right? But say pre-COVID. Did we consult with Jesus or Tylenol, ibuprofen? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because, I mean, I'll break down and, and, and use those things too. Um, and, and even for myself, I said break down. I, I'll, what did I do in my own strength? I won't necessarily pray, but I'm not going to get the ibuprofen first, but I'll just try to endure it. Just be like, you know what, I'm good, man. It's just a headache. All right, yeah, yeah, it's just been a couple hours. Okay, it's been all day, but it's like the same. It, don't, it doesn't hurt that bad. I can take this. That's no better than, than consulting Tylenol or ibuprofen. It's the same thing. It's my own strength, right? But we want our faith to be in the power of God, not in the strength that we have, not in the resources. Now, God blesses us with resources. We should use them. We live for his glory, right? And so we'll get to that a little bit later about living for his glory because we, we're going to review personally. But, but our first inclination ought to be that we're going to ask God for things that we don't necessarily. And I have to confess some, another thing. 
I was blessed on, on Father's Day with, with money for a down payment on a, on a new car. And, and anybody who knows me knows that it's not very important to me what I drive as long as it can get from point A to point B. But now I had this 2018 Honda CRV with navigation. Yes, thank you, Lord. Navigation, you know, blindside warning, you know, when you're about to, you know, get into the other lane. You know, if you're coming up on a, on a vehicle too fast, it'll start braking for you, uh, all of that kind of stuff. And I noticed that before I pull off, I don't pray like I used to pray when I had that, that 03 Subaru Forester. That joint that I was just trying to, you know, make sure it continued to get me from point A to point B by dropping 500 in here, 800 there, 1,000 there. I knew I needed to pray then. Oh, this is why we're reviewing everybody. Yes, it's not just for you, it's for me. But now that I had this joint that I can start up without putting a key in the ignition, that'll unlock with me just as long as I had a key on me, just will unlock keyless, all that good stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, I know I'm going to get where I'm going. Lord, forgive me, please. I got resources now. What people used to say a few years ago, I'm fancy, yeah. you know. Trusting in my own resources, though. This is why we need to review, especially in the country we live in. I got that vehicle. It's not paid for, so I'm paying on it. But I, just so you know, it would have. So, so, but I got that vehicle during the pandemic, right? I mean, a lot of people did, though. I know it's a bunch of. Temporary tax. You know how it is when you get something new. Hey, they got a new car too. Oh, man, wow, yeah, you know. But, but just to put that into perspective for me, it's like, wow, man, I got that during the pandemic. Wow. We need to intentionally put ourselves, keep ourselves in a place where we are acknowledging the goodness of God in everything that we see. We need to make sure we're putting ourselves in a place where we are acknowledging our dependence on God. I mean, even if we look at the pandemic, we look at how things in this country just came to a screeching halt in a matter of months. The powerful U.S. economy came to such a halt that now it's like, man, <laughs> people who, 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 who uh, make a lot of money, they're like, hey, man, we're going full steam ahead. We're going to open up school. We're going to open this up. We're going to open that up. But again, as I always say, the virus hasn't gone anywhere. So the first response either was too much or it's just like uh, it was too much in terms of like an overreaction or it's like, you know what? We don't care. Like <laughs> We're going to make that money with or without you. So I don't know what it is. That's that. You know, that's on them. By God's grace, um, we've been able. We're, we're still here by his grace. So. Uh, so, yeah. So anytime I you know, feel like I need to take a deep breath, you know, it's like, okay, Lord, I thank you I was able to take it. And then sometimes it'll be like, Lord, why did I need to take that deep breath, Lord? You know, so, you know, so we have to depend on the Lord. So we'll just move on forward with, with the fact that, that our faith is equal to those who walked with Jesus. Remember when Jesus 
prayed in John chapter 17. I'm not going to go there, but on your own time, read what, John, what Jesus said about, uh, about us who believe on the words of the apostles in, uh, in, in 17, 20, 20 through 26. And, and look at how um, he's calling us to be one. He's saying that we're one with him and the Father. Uh, all of these things, just like he prayed for his disciples who walked with them. Now, in verse three, this is where things begin for me to be, begin to start cooking a little bit. He says his divine power, talking about Jesus Christ, his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Now, Peter's telling his people something that we should Make sure we grab a hold of. I'm sure you've read this verse before if you've been walking with the Lord for a while. But how much does Christ give us that we need in relation to being in right relationship with God for eternal life and right now? He doesn't give us some things. He doesn't give us the majority of what we need. But verse three says, by his divine power, he has given us everything required for life and godliness. God, life, life means eternal life. Godliness means how we're living right now. So he's given you, he's given me everything I need to live in a godly manner right now. Yeah, think about that. Everything we need, he has given to us to live in a godly manner right now. Not after your glorified body, not after sin is eradicated, but right now. So I'm not saying that you live perfectly because I don't. I just confess this, but I don't live perfectly. But the ability to please God. The access to the power to please God right now, to be godly right now, Christ has given it to us. We don't always access it. Remember uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, you know, there's no temptation as I might mix in King James with here, excuse me. There's no temptation taking us but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. So the temptation is going to come, but God is faithful. Now, I know I know this verse. And I still sin. So I'm not always mindful that God is faithful. I'm not always mindful of how he's going to provide a way of escape because it says he'll do that as well. Sometimes I haven't looked for the way of escape as hard as I need to. But this is the fact. God is faithful. He has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. That's what he's done. By these, it continues in verse 4, by these he has given us uh, a very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. One of the things that God does when it talks about that evil desire is he transforms our desire from wanting to pursue that which, which is evil, wanting to pursue that which is wicked, wanting to pursue that which does not please him, to desiring to please him. This is why it says in 1 John that, 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 that if we love him, we'll keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. But I remember a day when his commandments were burdensome because I didn't want to go to hell. But I did not have the kind of relationship with God 
that he was making available to me. I didn't embrace it. Instead, I was like, oh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus. But my heart wasn't there. My lips, Isaiah talks about this. Pleasing with my lips, but heart is far from me. When our hearts are not far from God, when they're near God, it has a way. Again, his glory has a way of when we embrace it, it has a way of, of changing what appeals to us. And instead of evil appealing to us, God's ways appeal to us because we desire to please him. So we're escaping the corruption that's in the world because of evil desire because he's transformed our desires. Now, there's still some, you know, I mean, we, we still have work to do. So, so as Pastor Kurt would say, we didn't receive a holy zap. And now oh, we just live in that realm. That would be nice. I don't know. Then I might try to show off if I could really live in that, in that realm. You know what I'm saying? I might be like that pastor. Be like, hey, y'all, watch me walk on this water. You know, I, I might be like that. We'll, we, we won't know. <laughs> but he's given us everything we need. To, so, so I wanted to. So do we, are we able to project the verses or not? We are, okay, all right, great. So, um, so I wanted to encourage you with, a, with some, some verses that I hope like help you. So look at the, Philippians 1, 6. Oh, a great verse, a great verse, a great verse that talks about how, how God has given us, uh, because he started a good work in us, that he's the one who will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. So Paul encouraged the Philippians with that one so that they would know that regardless of what, remember, he wrote this from a prison. So regardless of what would happen to him, he was sure that whatever happened to me, that the one who started the good work, it wasn't, even though Paul was the one who planted the church at Philippi, he knew he wasn't the one who saved the people at Philippi. Even though the gospel came through him, he knows that the executor of the gospel is Jesus Christ himself. So he encourages them and he lets them know that he's confident that the one who started the good work in them will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And then one of my favorites in Hebrews chapter 13, not the, uh, I mean, the entire verse is going to be up there, but it's part of the verse that talks about how the Lord will never leave us. He promises that he will never leave us, nor will he forsake us. To know that he is with us is I mean, if he's with us, is there anything that we uh, cannot do? Well, we can't walk on water, obviously, right now, but, you know. <laughs> and then in John, in John chapter 14, Jesus is encouraging his disciples. He's encouraging them because he's, he's going away. Um, he tells them not to let their heart be troubled, but to believe in God. Um, they, they already believed in God, so believe in him because uh, he's, he's the savior, but then he, <clears throat> and then he goes on to let them know that he was going away to prepare a place for them. So even we know that even death does not stop the, it can't stop God because it didn't stop Jesus. Right. And it won't stop us. We know that to be absent from the body is to be present, uh, with the Lord. So he says that in his father's house, there are many mansions, many, uh, rooms, sorry, the King James is, it just always comes. And that's what I was, grew up on. So, um, so he says, if he goes away, he will prepare a place for you and will come again to take you to my 
himself. That is some encouragement from the Lord himself. And then uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Oh, this is a great verse. Chapter 1, verse 3 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For in him... Okay, why did I choose this? Now I'm trying to figure out what, why did I choose that verse. Oh, I, yeah, I, I understand. Thank you, Lord. Um, and sorry, y'all. Um, but, but there's that, that same theme again of God blessing us, not with most of the blessings, but with every blessing that we need. And then last but not least, this one is a bit, it's a bit lengthy, um, but it's 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And it's talking about um, it's talking about separation between uh, good and evil, right? So it tells us, "Do not be yoked uh, together." Okay, I didn't. I'm sorry, I didn't. Uh, that, that's how it starts off. But we we're focusing on verse 16, not verse 14, which is where I was. Um, so he says, "What agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God has said. Look at what God says." And so even though this is an Old Testament quote that Paul is using, he is telling the people of God right now, this is what God says to us. And notice, this isn't to, <clears throat> this isn't to Jewish people. This is to Gentiles. Yeah. It says, I will dwell and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch any unclean thing. And I will welcome you and I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters. You will be sons and daughters to me, says the almighty. In light of all that God has given, the response to what God has given always elicits a response from us. So chapter seven starts like this. In light of what happened in chapter six, which it stops at 18 this is chapter, um, chapter 7, verse 1. So then, dear friends, since we have these promises, what promises? That God is going to be our Father, that God is our God, that He's going to walk with us, He's going to dwell with us. It says, because of these things, because of these promises that God has given us, then let us cleanse ourselves from every impurity of the flesh and the Spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. It's the promises of God, again, that, that helps us to, to, to lift our eyes to God, to help us to please God, not just our own effort. We can try in our own effort. We can try because somebody says do it. But man, our focus needs to be on God himself. Our focus needs to be on Jesus Christ because understanding what he's giving, given us helps to motivate us to desire to please him. So he reminds, Peter reminds his hearers of everything that God has given them. And it elicits a response from them as well. Verse five, this is when he says, uh, for this reason, make every effort. And then he starts saying, you know, supplement this with that. So faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. So it, a response is supposed to come from us because of what God has done. And there's a benefit to doing these things. So verse eight, if we if we possess these qualities in increasing measure. This is why we recalibrate. 
It doesn't just say if you, if you possess these qualities, if you possess these characteristics, because unfortunately we've already seen, we saw last week, it is possible to have a form of godliness but deny the power of God. So because we don't want to do that, we want to, as 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, we want to be transformed from one degree of glory to the next because that's possible, right? So, so we don't want to just settle. We don't want to settle. In my car, what am I settling for? When I don't pray, I'm settling for what the car can do for me. When I pray, I'm settling for what God can do for me. There's a big difference between what that car can do for me and what God can do for me. So I want to make sure that I'm putting my mind on what God can do for me. See, God can help me avoid an accident. My car, as much as it, it has these things that are meant to help you, sometimes because you're me and I'm used to like looking, it can actually be a hindrance. So I'm like having to learn how to deal with all that technology, right? And we know that te- technology is... It serves a lot of times, but then when it doesn't serve, because it served a lot of times, when it doesn't serve, it really kind of has you in a bad position usually. So there's only so much that my technology or my resources can do for me, but God can do everything for me. And (laughs) God is so vicious that he has me like in eternal life. That's, That's how God is. My, my, my car going to be here for somebody else if, if I leave before it leaves, right? So these qualities, we have to try to get them in increasing measure. We can't just say, oh, yeah, man, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a loving person and just be fine with that. Nope. There has, it has to be an increasing measure. If we possess them in increasing measure, it says they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question that stung me when it came to my mind. And that question is, are you useless or unfruitful? I don't mean in totality. I mean, when you look at the things you want to do in your life, do you see, as, especially as it relates to God, do you see fruitfulness there or do you see ineffectiveness there? What do we see? That's one of the things I like when I read in the Old Testament, especially I think it was with Jeremiah, and it's happened with Ezekiel too. Sometimes God will show him something and say, what do you see? What, 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 what do we see when we look? If we, if, we were, if we were able to step outside of ourselves and look at our life and knowing the things we know about God and what he calls us to, what, what will we see? Probably what we will see is some areas of fruitfulness and some areas of lack. It's probably what we will see. Well, that just means we need to recalibrate in those areas that we see that, that are lacking. And we're going through this series so that we know that it's possible to recalibrate. That if God is for us, who can be against us, right? Um, that, that, that there's nothing that can separate us from him, which does not mean that we do not put in the work. That means, no, we, we joyfully put in the work because he's with us. But we have to take stock of what we see. 
And we have to be willing to be ruthlessly honest with ourselves. And if you're not willing to be ruthlessly honest with yourself, find one of your friends who's willing to be ruthfully honest with you. And ask them, hey, what fruit do you see in my life? Yesterday we were meeting, we were meeting with, uh, with, with some people, uh, my wife and I were, and I remembered this question that I asked her, and I'm just going to put this out there for, for, for every married person to ask their spouse because I mean, I knew when I heard this question, I was kind of scared of it. So I probably tried to ask, ask it at a time where I thought I could get the best answer. But this was the question to my wife, to Karen. Are you more aware of my love for you or my critique of you? Yeah, man. I know I just, I know. In my old church, they'd be like, if you can't say amen, say ouch. I know some, I know some of that was ouch. I mean, it was ouch for me when I remember the question. I'm like, ah, man, I haven't asked that question in a long time. I think I'm in a different place now. I got to ask, since I said it now, I got to ask it today. <laughs> I do. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody said they're going to pray for me. I appreciate that. I appreciate prayers all the time. Yeah. But questions like that, what do you think people are most aware of when they encounter you? Do you think these folks are, 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 are more aware of Jesus or are they more aware of something about you? See, the, the, remember, that's why we're here. I'm getting ahead of myself, so that means I probably can skip this part when I get to it in my notes. But remember why we exist. We exist for him. Right. So, man, thank God for the things, the things you remember about me, but they're unimportant. It's not important if you remember my birthday. It's not important if you remember my address. It's not important if you remember um, my social, which you won't ever get to know. (laughs) It's not important if you remember what school I was. None of those things are important. They're they're important. Like, it's nice to hear that you remember those things, but they're not important as it relates to God's economy because I would much rather, and this is true, I would much rather the thing you remember about me, even if you can't remember my name, can't remember what anything else I said, the most important thing that for me is that you remember that he was one of God's people. That's, 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 if, if I did that, I'll be happy. Because that's my way of trying to, uh, Make sure I exist for him. So how's, oh, nah, oh, man, I didn't even get there. Look at verse 9, no. This is why we ask them questions. Verse 9 says, the person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten um, the cleansing from his past sins. So how's your eyesight? If we put the chart up, the godly chart, if we put it up, and you had to look at it based on, based on like these characteristics, these qualities that he's calling us to embrace. How's your sight? Would you be able to see the right way? When I take off my glasses, I see y'all, but y'all blurry, right? I, I, I would probably, people I know well, I would recognize their silhouette, so I would know that that's Lou and Violet. Um, I might know because, yeah, I, 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 would, I think I would know that that's Natalie. And then because... 
I think I would know that that's Manny. I think. But that's how my eyesight is. Um, I would know that that's Jasmine. Because of that, because of the hair, I would notice that that's Courtney. Because it's red on top. So I just deduced like, okay, that's, that's, that's Courtney right there. But when I put these joints on, it's like, oh, yeah, I see y'all good. What's up, Misha? How you doing? Roger, how you doing? How you Miriam? How you doing? How'd it go last night? Yeah. So, I mean, worship night, right? Yeah. So, 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 so I see better with these glasses on. Right? How's your, how's your sight when it comes to the things of God? Are you short-sighted? Could you make some things out? Or are you completely blind? Because that's a category as well. The person who likes these things is blind and short-sighted. Why? They've forgotten something. That's why we review because we forget. Peter knew his folk forget. I know our folk forget. Why do I know? Because I forget. But I don't want to forget. I do appreciate what God has done for me. So I don't want to forget. But you know what? Sometimes it's just easy to, for my eyes to be on earthly things than the things of God because I'm short-sighted. Not completely blind, but I'm going to tell you, I, 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 I wouldn't feel comfortable driving any car with just these. <laughs> right? I wouldn't feel comfortable. So, so even, if we, even if we're not blind and we can make some things out, oh, we would be doing much better if we were to remember that we were cleansed from our past sins so that we would, in, in response to all of the goodness of God, we would embrace what he calls us to and how he calls us to live. So in light of the fact that people can be short-sighted, that they can be blind, that they can forget, Peter says in verse 10, he warns them, therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort. That's the problem with us. That's the problem with me. I, I, I can make effort, but I don't know sometimes if I'm making every effort. I know that's just me. I know that I know I know y'all make every effort, but sometimes I don't make every effort to confirm my calling and election in the Lord. Because if I do confirm my calling and election, then I will never stumble, it says. But it doesn't just say that to me. It says that to all of us. It says that to all of us, even who are watching via live stream, that that when we make every effort to make our calling and election sure, we, we do that and we will never stumble. He goes on to say in verse 11, for in this way, uh, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be richly provided for you. And then he comes. And then he unapologetically just lets them know, therefore, I'm reminding you. People don't like to be reminded. I'm one of those people. I remember growing up, if you told me something, I would pay attention. I get it. But not, not teachers. I'm talking about my friends. Um, <laughs> so you tell me something, and I, usually I remember it. So if you told me again, I'd be like, man, I already know that. Or like, you already told me that. Like, and it'd be like with all this. Like, man, what? All of that, because they're trying to make sure I remember. Sometimes when people know things, 
they don't feel like they need to be reminded. Right? They had an attitude, right? Like I had, like, man. But Peter said, I will always remind you about these things. Even though he acknowledges you know them, you know about them. And not only do you know them, you are established in the truth you now have. So he knows these things about his folk, but he still has the the inclination to review with them things they already know. He says, I think it is right as long as I'm here, as long as I'm in this body. Why does he think it's right? He thinks it's right because we don't make every effort. He alludes to it by saying that he thinks that it's right as long as he's here to wake them up. See, some of us might not be straight up sleep, but we be getting drowsy. Yeah, we be nodding off a little bit as it comes, as it relates to living for the Lord. We know that he has grace for us, that he'll forgive us, that he knows our heart. Whatever you say, these things we know. Or we're not saying them, but we're just not, we're not saying the things that I just referenced, but, but, but we're just not putting forth every effort. We chill with it. We're we in a groove now. We're coasting now. We're good. But that's when we're most, it's most dangerous to just doze off, right, when you're coasting. So, Peter says, you know what? Amen. <laughs> yeah, I think that is right as long as I'm in this bodily tent to wake you up with a reminder. And then he goes on to say he's not apologizing for anything. Right? I mean, he's, he understands that, like, you know, at some point I'm going to leave. The Lord has showed him that the time was coming, encroaching upon him. But in 15, he says, he, he just says it again. I will also make every effort so that you are able to recall, so that you can remember. Last, I forgot what, what, I did something this morning, and it reminded me of my stepfather, who's gone on to be with the Lord. And I just, it brought a smile to my face, and I can't even remember, I guess it was just supposed to be, for that moment, so not for me to share, because now I can't even remember it. But, but I know there was something that was out of the blue just reminded me. Or even like when I said a review is a noun, and then I remember that Darren and Viviana are here. Like, we need things that, that, that are going to help us to recall, that are going to provoke us to recall things about God. Yeah. Right? Because when I was back there, I'm back there, everybody's in front of me, so I saw them come in. I'm like, oh, good, I get to greet them, but I didn't remember. But then just saying the word now, oh, she's a teacher, Boom. Okay. Things need to be taught with regularity so that you can and I can recall it. I recall so many memories from my old church. They said many things, but I guess there were some things that they said that really stuck out. In certain, and, the, and the way that it was said or the, the, the repetition in which it was said just allows for me to be reminded, for me to recall, sometimes not even on purpose. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember Elder Russell this. Or I remember Deacon Moore used to say that. Now, you don't know them, but you hear from them sometimes when you hear from me. Because I might say some of the things that they said, but I might say it a little differently. 
So what about personal review? That, that's, 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 that's Peter's case to his own people, right? And I mean, those are things that we need to remember as well, because they, he was writing not just to people that, that he was, um, you know, he wasn't writing to a specific um, destination, but he was writing to those who have received a faith equal to his own through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So we already know um, that what we're called to is to love God with everything. That's the first greatest commandment, love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, and we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. We already know that we exist for him. We already know uh, by way of review, we already know from the first message that we talked about how the people who were at Antioch, they had a culture that was so different. Their culture was so different that they were called Christians there instead of uh, Asians or instead of uh, uh, um, uh, Latino or instead of black. They, they were called Christians at Antioch because their culture was so different. Their culture was so different because they were focused on the glory of God. We saw that in uh, Ephesians chapter 3 that it's the church which is what those believers were that the church is the vehicle that God uses to make his wisdom known to people here on earth as well as the rulers and authorities in the heavens. We also found that the glory of God is so brilliant that any who come in contact with it, um, uh, they are also changed as a result. So as it relates to us, the one thing I would encourage us to, to, to keep in mind, because we already noticed from other, past, other sermons, um, I'm not telling you to do anything new. There's nothing new that I can add. Right. We, we're called to get into God's word. Why? Why are we called to get into his word? Well, it's because, well, just just flow with this for a while. Jesus is the word become flesh. So to engage with the word is to engage with Jesus. I'm sorry, I don't think you heard me. When Jesus is the word become flesh. So to engage with the word of God is to engage with Jesus. Now we have, myself, I have, I don't know how many different kinds of Bible, Bibles at my house. So there can be a way in which I minimize the, 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 the importance of God's word because it's so available to me. But my goodness, I am reminded that, I'm reminded that people from other generations who didn't have God's word and I don't want them to be able to rise up in judgment on me because I had God's word so plentifully available to me that I just treated it as if it were nothing. So I pray for God to give me desire to read his word. Not to prepare for a sermon. That's easy. I don't want to look bad in front of people. And you wouldn't either. But to spend time with Jesus and to come into contact with some of that glory. That whether I'm, whether I'm at church or I'm on the road and somebody does something they shouldn't do. That some of that glory is, has overflowed to me in such a way that I know how to act when someone cuts me off. That I know how to pray for them instead of curse them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
that I learned. I'm still learning this part because I don't really come in contact with a lot of my enemies. But man, Lord knows if that were ever to happen, I want to be able to I want to be able to be supernatural and not natural. I want to be able to love my enemies. If Jesus didn't love his, we wouldn't be sitting here. So we should view our times of prayer, our times of being in the word, our times of fasting, other things that we do. We shouldn't just engage in them and and, and wrote just like, oh, yeah, I'm just doing this. But we should ask God to give us the heart to engage in those things in a way that we experience the glory of God. Because then our because see, we have a way of making everything about us and our quiet times. That's what we've labeled them. They can be they can be all about us. But when we encounter the glory of God, it is never only about us. We can't help it. Again, remember, when Moses was in the presence of God, uh, amen, he was changed, but he wasn't even tripping. He went down and then he needed a, 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 a veil for the sake of those other people, not for himself. He was good. So that glory that got on him, it impacted where he was. How does the glory that get on us, if it gets on us, how does it affect those around us? It's supposed to affect us and those around us. That's why as we move smoothly into corporate review, that's why here at Solid Rock Church, the members here know that we have five ways in which we expect the glory of God to be manifested through us. One is that we will love one another. Yes, love one another. In church, yes, I'm talking about in church, because you know, in some churches, people don't love each other. I know you've never been to those churches. I know you've never been to those churches. But I've been to them churches where I can't tell whether I'm at outside in Landover playing basketball or in church. In the church! And if it's possible for their church to be like that, as we laugh, it's possible for our church to be like that. We might be street smart enough to know like we, we can't carry it like that. But is there anybody who you just won't talk to? Is there some member of our church that you avoid? Is there some member of our church that, that you rather talk about than pray for? Because if so, then you got some, you got it, you, you, you short-sighted. You short-sighted. I'm not saying you, you're not saved, but I mean, John might have some, John, he says, man, if you can't, <laughs> if you can't love God, if you can't love your brother who you see, there's no way you can love God who you cannot see. So we, we about loving one another around here. The reason why that's our first, our first value that we communicate is because that one is trampled, that, 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 that behavior, that, that's trampled over so much within the body of Christ. People think that as long as they're good with God, they can do anything to you. And that is not correct. God is saying, you, you read First John on, on your time. You read the cha- fourth chapter in particular. God is saying, like, there's no way you can love me. 
if you can't love them. We need to remember that. Now, we also, we do want to focus on God so we have increase in the knowledge of God as our second value. Our desires to grow in the things of God, right? We've already, Peter's already crushed that for us that we're supposed to have these characteristics in increasing measure. So the things that we know to do, we're to do them in increasing measure. So I, 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 and, and knowing the knowledge of God for us is not just head knowledge of God, but it's, it's holiness. It's pursuing God likeness. It's being conformed into the image of Christ. That's what he calls us to do. And then we also connect with our community. Um, there are pictures in the, in, the, um, in, in, the, in, in the book of Acts that shows us that the people who were the first believers, they cared about their community. So much so that they would even pull. Now, I'm not saying we're doing this because we're not doing this. But this is the heart with which they did things, right? They would, like Barnabas. Barnabas probably was rich. But he sold his field and he gave the money to the apostles so that that money could be used to promote the kingdom of God. I'm sorry, I'm getting out the guy. Oh, no, 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 okay. Uh, I am messing up, I'm sorry. Um, that's, that, that part is for, for giving, which is our last value, so you might hear that again. Um, but we find that when, when, when Peter and John are walking into, into the temple, they walk in and there's a man who's, who would they be there begging daily, right? And he asked them for silver and gold. What does Peter do? They say, nah, man, the dude's always there, man. I, I ain't even messing with him. <laughs> I mean, that, that might be what I would do if certain people would be like, oh, cuz right there, I know he won't ask me for money. Let me, let me make my face look mean. Oh, that's not good, but I might think that sometimes and I'll make it look mean. Or let me walk fast, right? But Peter and, and John stopped and they looked at him and they didn't have money to give him, but they prayed for him. And you remember that man in Acts chapter three, he got up, he started uh, running around, walking and praising God, jumping up and down. Do we care about our community enough to stop and look at it? To see what's going on in it? The things that we don't like about it, do they make up, do they repulse us away from the community? Or do they at least draw us, put us on our knees to pray for our community? Because it should. If we, if we care for our community, then, then we'll try to connect with them. Even if we can't connect with them, even if we don't have things to, to give them, can we at least pray for them? And then can we find ways in our own life and as a church find ways to promote the gospel? I think we can. I know we do too because I... Thank you for those of you who come up with ideas and ask questions in that direction. And then we know that, that, that serving, that's the fourth value that we have. So we have love one another, increase in the knowledge of God, connect with our community, and then serving. Uh, when, when John and James came to Jesus asking if they could, uh, <laughs> if, if they asking for eternal position, eventually, you know, the, their counterparts overhear this, they're upset, and then Jesus corrects everybody and lets them know that, you know what? In my kingdom, those who will be first among you, they are to be slave of all. I know we don't like that word, but I like that word. Slave of all. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If Jesus made himself a servant, then we should be able to make ourselves servants with no problem. Yeah, if, if our king, right, if our king, the disciples watching him, takes off his, his towel and start washing feet, we should be willing to do whatever it takes to make the glory of God known in our lives and through our church. And then as mentioned before, I, 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 I spoiled it, but give. Give. Barnabas cared enough about giving to make sure that the work of the gospel would go forth with monetary resource, that he sold his field and he gave, um, and he put the uh, money and laid it at the apostles' feet. See, when we, <laughs> when God possesses us, nothing else can possess us at the same time. That's why it says we can't serve two masters, right? We can't serve God and money. And money is a powerful God in this country. That's, in my opinion, that's one of the gods of this country is money. And so, man, we give not because you want to impress me or impress somebody else. You might not even have anything that looks impressive. Remember the woman with the two mites. What she gave didn't seem impressive, but Jesus, when he saw it, it meant everything. He told his disciples, like, she's given more than everybody who's come up. Why? Because he gave sacrificially. So these are things that we need to make sure we are embodying as a church. Now, I know we're not together um, as, we, as we have been in the past, but by God's grace, we will come back together. I, I, I am very, I am praying against a statistic uh, an article that I saw that says something like one in three uh, uh, people who claim to be Christians that they basically during this pandemic, they walked away from the Lord, not coming to church, not being around the people of God, breaking their routine has caused them to just walk off the reservation, if you would. That's why we need to review. That's why we need to recalibrate. That's why next week we'll talk about resolve, hopefully quicker than how we talked about uh, review. And then we'll close with renew. So I'm going to uh, pray. And then if there, if there aren't any questions, I'm going to uh, actually, after I pray, I'm going to uh, share some announcements. And then if there are questions, I'll take those. And if not, that will be our day. I want to thank you for listening to me out there and in here. Thank you for your attention. Uh, Lord, we thank you so much for this day which you have made. We thank you for giving us this day um, to live for you. Lord, we weren't always in a place where we wanted to live for you. We haven't always been in the place where we sought to glorify you. But we thank you, Lord, that you, that you have changed our minds. You have transformed our minds. That our desire would be to please you and to become more like you, to reflect your glory here on this earth. I pray that you would please uh, help us to do just that. And I thank you for your word that is encouraging us not to do something new, but to do the things that we know are true to what you call us to. So, Father, I pray that you would please uh, help us to be able to recall some of these things during this week. And, Lord, I pray that you would sustain our faith and grow our faith, increase our faith, 
and increase our obedience because our desire is to glorify you. We ask you these things in Jesus' name, and we thank you. Amen. Amen. So, um, not a lot of announcements. I mean, it's the sabbatical month, so... um, so uh, the one big announcement that I wanted to share with you is that next week we will be doing communion. So um, if you are, um, we'll have the communion supplies on the, uh, for your counter when you come in if you want to grab it. For those of you who are um, at home, we'll uh, email you and let you know what time you can come, what day and time you can come to the church to pick up your, com- your elements for communion. But we will be uh, glad to have uh, all of us Uh, participate in that. Um, In addition to that, which is happening on Sunday, just remember we have a number of book studies that are happening throughout this month. Uh, We're halfway through the month, so um, uh, I'm not sure if you can still like comfortably get into one of those groups or not, but um, it's available uh, to you. Also, please note that um, on Friday mornings at 7.30, we have prayer, and uh, everyone's invited to participate in that. It's a prayer call, um, and so we do email a reminder and text a reminder about that on uh, Thursdays. So um, with that being said, um, should we just go ahead and close it out, or do we have a question? We have questions. Okay, all right. And if you would like to send a question and you are in here, let me get that number up for you. That is 240-623- 0876. I've heard from a little birdie that it is Devon and Terry Anderson's third anniversary. So happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, beautiful couple. First question You mentioned that our faith is equal to that of the apostles. Could you talk a little bit about how the spiritual gift of faith referenced in 1 Corinthians 12, 9 is different to the regular faith that every believer possesses? Excuse me. Well, I can't say that I've seen that gift, like seen it for myself used in a way that I could say, you know, hey, man, that's the gift of faith. So I've heard of people who consistently have faith to do things. Um, so they might be say, that, hey, man, this person has the gift of faith. And that's the impression I get from uh, 1 Corinthians 13, where it says, um, you know, it's talking about, you know, if you speak with uh, human or angelic tongues and you don't have uh, love, that you're a noisy gong, clanging cymbal, um, if I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. So that, just that, that you know, his including, Paul including that um, in that spot in his description saying that he has all faith so that he can move mountains um, leads me to speculate, again, having not seen it, not feeling like I have the gift of faith myself. Um, I think the gift of faith is one that can, um, you know, identify um, opportunities where uh, it's going to take faith, excuse me, it's going to take faith 
for this thing to change. It's going to take faith for this thing to come into existence. And they're able to um, not only have faith to start, <laughs> to start praying in that direction and start doing in that direction, but they have a faith that's sustained um, that helps them to believe until the thing comes to fruition. Uh, so that's what that would be my two cents. And, and obviously the faith to believe in Christ uh, doesn't necessarily take that kind of faith. Um, th- those, I mean, you know, as you, the person points out, there's a difference between having faith in Jesus um, and having the gift of faith, even though the gift, the faith to believe in Jesus is a gift, but it's not the gift of faith that says, you know what? Hey, we're going to keep praying for your brother. Okay, and you, you keep praying until it's like, oh, yeah, man, I've been praying for you. And he's getting baptized, you know, <laughs> because he's come to faith. So uh, I think uh, the faith, that is the gift of faith, identifies opportunities where faith is needed, and they are able to have faith for a thing to come to fruition or a thing to dissolve out of fruition. Thank you. Knowing that the Lord has given each of us believers different abilities, passions, giftings, etc., how do we process making Jesus known and making every effort to confirm our calling and election when we are all different? Is it wrong to want to know what that looks like? That was a long question for me. Um, because there were a few things that were said, and I don't think I remember them all. So uh, I think I am going to try to... Can we break down some? Um, break it down a little bit? You, you can, you, hold on. Yes, you can break it down. Break it down. Uh, can read it again? And I'll be like, I'll do like this. <laughs> Knowing that the Lord has given each of us believers different abilities, passions, giftings, etc. I'm pausing so you can take that okay. in, you know. How do we process making Jesus known and making every effort to confirm our calling and election when we are all different? That's the first part of that question. Okay. All right. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I think the, uh, that, that to answer this question, we have to begin with um, probably like the middle of it. Um, like the goal is to make Jesus known, right? So it's not necessarily about your gifts, your talents, your what you have. It's like what is your what is your objective? Is your objective if your objective is to make him known, like how do you how do you make anything known? Usually that's through verbal, you know, that's verbally. Um that's uh and I would so I would think like making Jesus known at, very, at the very least, includes like a uh, testimony about who he is. So in what you do, um, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're able to, um, you know, to, to draw attention to the reality of who Jesus is through um, whatever it is that you're doing, then you are. So if you're a, a, a newspaper writer, even though your newspaper may not be about... Um, you know, about the Lord. You might not work for Christianity today. Um, but if you write other things, you can, you can draw attention to that. Your, your posts on Facebook can draw attention to Jesus. Um, your, if you win awards, you can 
then you can say something about Jesus. Um, but I think it's, it's having the abilities, passions, and giftings submitted to Christ and knowing that he's the one who's given those to you and that you give credit, verbal credit to him. And one of the reasons why I keep stressing the, the, the verbal nature of it is because um, they, they, this dynamic of when the Lord does something for you and then proclaiming it seems to be one that's just normal. So every time Jesus healed people, you know, he, he might be like, hey, man, don't tell anybody. You know, of course, not like that, but he's telling them not to, to keep it on the low. But they don't. They don't. They, they, they feel like they have to. They're so happy with what's happened that they have to let people know that this man did something so much so that other people, are, they hear of him. The woman with the issue of blood heard of him. Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was so. So it's people have to hear about Jesus for it to be blatantly about Jesus or else People are just going to think Mike's a nice guy. <laughs> That's what they're going to think. So I think the leaning forward that Jesus gets all the credit, that's the first thing. And then whatever your gifts and abilities are, if that is, that is what you're doing, like you're going to make Jesus known no matter what you do, then I think you're glorifying God despite the fact that I'm not a writer or the, the, the fact that I'm not, you know, you, um, despite the fact that, you know, the circles I run in aren't the circles that you run in. Um, so I don't necessarily think it's, it's wrong to think about how can I make sure that Jesus is known in all that I do, but I do think it's, it's, it's dangerous to just say, I'm not like that, so I won't do that. To say, well, I'm an I'm a, I'm a introvert, so I don't talk to people. I'm going to tell you all something. I'm an introvert. Yes, I know. Yeah, but I am. You ask my kids or my wife, they'll tell you, yeah, I'm an introvert. I, I, have, I love people, but I definitely have like a threshold. Yeah. Right? So once that threshold is met, it's like, man, I see y'all, man. I'm be in my room, man. <laughs> See, y'all, I'm about to read. <laughs> you know, so, 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 but, but I understood because of the church I grew up in that part of the Christian life includes making Jesus known. So I'm called to like let people know that like I'm one of his people and he's done this in my life. Um, he can do such and such in your life. So I think it's when we start, start limiting what Jesus can do based on how we think he's made us rather than saying, Lord, I'm uncomfortable with this. Could you please help me to be, you know, to make you known more? Um, so uh, that would be what I would say to that question. Thanks for asking that. This one is um, <clears throat> a little lengthier as well. All right. Let's, I can, let's I can get at it. A couple of times. Um, what steps should those around a person take if a person calls themselves a fellow believer and appears to be getting into the word a lot, mm -hmm. but is doing it for purposes um, to poke holes in the word and dispute points of um, being a believer that should be undisputable? Um, and what if this approach for them is doesn't seem like one that's helping that they don't seem like they want to turn back to God necessarily. 
that's a confusing situation right there. So, um, if I'm understanding the question correctly, yeah, if I'm understanding that question correctly, um, you know, people, <laughs> people sometimes have problems with God, right? Um, and so if someone were to call them, but if a believer would have had problems with God to the point where they're trying to, it, it sounded like the person was saying that someone's use, using God's word to poke holes in God's word. Okay. Mm -hmm. And dispute certain things that seem undisputable. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm not sure what much you can do to that person except for challenge them. Uh, like, hey, you know, point out to them, like, you know, it seems like you're pointing these things out to, um, to like dispute the validity of what God has communicated. Um, and it doesn't seem like that's something you're willing to like step away from. Um, and if that's the case, if somebody, if somebody is, is, if they're not convinced of the validity of God's word, um, then at some point, they're obviously they're questioning God himself for people who embrace God's word, right? If you embrace it, you take it as God's word. If you poking holes at it, then that looks like to me, that person is not embracing this as the, as the word of God. Um, and so I would find a way I would communicate something like that to them. I mean, I, I don't know who the person is or whatever, um, who's asking or who would receive it, but I would, you know, the way I talk to people, especially if it was someone who felt that comfortable to do that, um, it would probably be very direct. It would probably be very corrective. Um, and especially if I saw, if I saw signs in the life of the person where like, it's not even helpful for the person to do that, but they're still doing it, um, which probably would, you know, play in. Um, I think that, you know, what it seems, I would point out that it seems like you're coming at a heart posture, posture where you're judging the word of God rather than allowing the word of God to judge you. And if that's what you're doing, Scripture talks about how can the, the, the uh, clay say to the potter, like, why did you make me this way? Or why did you do this? Or why did you do that? In Romans chapter 9, where it talks about, you know, God's sovereignty and electing people. It's like, you know what, on some level, like, you, you might have a problem with God. But just because you can't explain God and put these things together doesn't mean that the problem is with God. The problem always has to be with me, if I have a problem with God's word. And I've had to say to myself, let God be true. I was, yeah, let God be true and every man a liar, even if it's me. Because God is God. If he could lie or do stuff like that, he wouldn't be God. So if he could, you know, give his word in a way that is just worthy of me poking holes in it, then that's not God. So I would just point out some of those things to that person. I pray for them, but I wouldn't keep, but I would not keep engaging. Like I wouldn't keep going back and forth with the person. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. How would you advise creating consistency in pursuit of the Lord while avoiding the pitfall, pitfall of routine becoming ritualized or hollow? Yeah, that's a, I think that's a great question. Um, I think, um, you know, that's one of the great benefits of community 
is being able to ask other people to pray for you and ask after you about certain things. Um, because, you know, we've all, let's, I mean, we've all been there where we've been just gone through the motions, right? I know I have. And um, <clears throat> I remember one of my friends uh, praying. He said, man, you know, every time I open God's word, I ask him to, like, you know, position my heart so I can receive from him. And um, when he first said that, this was like decades ago, but when he first said that, I'm like, man, why you need to do that, man? Like, the God's word is God's word. But obviously, I kept on being in the Lord, and so I found, like, you know what? Yeah, I need to ask God to, like, help my heart to be humble before him so that I can um, get something out of his word, something fresh so that I can hear his word speak to me. And I'm going to tell you, <laughs> one, of, one of the times uh, that I did, uh, probably on a couple of occasions, I may have been in, in a spot where, like, a genealogy was the next thing I was supposed to read. And I'm thinking, man, there's not going to be. All right, I'm going to have to read this genealogy. But, I mean, I'm coming. I'm trying to do business with God. But, like, this joint is not going to have any, like, effect on me. So I would read. I, I've, I've, there have been a couple of times where I've read the genealogy, gotten tired, not gotten to the, to the point in the, in the book where things start, you know, start heating up. And I've woken up the next day feeling like I spent time with God. So I say that to say something that, that might seem like it might not even benefit you. I think when our heart position is in the right place, just because the word of God, Jesus Christ is the word become flesh. When I interact with that word, I'm interacting with him. He interacted with me and my heart was in a place where it's like, all right, man, oh, wow, Rahab, he got something. Okay, yeah, though. But then the next day, it's like, man, I feel like I've read like 10 chapters before I went to bed, you know. So, uh, so I think praying for your own heart, but also involving other people to help you, uh, help pray with you and to just check in on you. It's how you keep it from being just, oh, yeah, I'm just ready to die. This next one is on the topic of money. Topic of, oh. Money, 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 money. <laughs> what should a Christian mindset in a capitalistic society such as ours do? Should we take advantage or be cautious of our thoughts? Did, did you understand that? I'm sorry. I think I understand that okay. question. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which one? That's the point. So I, I don't think you should necessarily just be like, hey, man, I ain't making no money. Um, because as Barnabas showed and as, um, as it showed um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, 9, 9, um, you know, they were taking up a collection to help poor people in the church. Um, so if you don't have money, you can't, you can't take up a collection from people who, who don't have money, right? Um, but our heart should be that we, that we, we, we get money, yes, but, but money is a resource. It's not the source. So we need to remember that. Um, so our heart should be that we uh, will, you know, we'll earn money however we earn it. We'll earn as much as we can in our society, but we will make sure that our money doesn't possess us and that we possess our money and that it's a resource to be used to advance God's kingdom rather than advance my own kingdom. 
which does not mean for anyone, just so no one's, it doesn't mean that you cannot have nice things. It doesn't mean, to, it just means that um, you have a mindset where you will consider investing your money in things that won't necessarily be a return on your investment. Um, but it's just an, it's an investment into God's kingdom, which has different dividends than what uh, investment in the stock market would look like. Hi. Um, you talked a bit about what it looks like for us at Solid Rock Church to be members. Can you speak of what it looks like for us to have a give and take relationship with the church? What type of things should we be expecting and what should be expected of us a bit more? Can you flesh that out a bit? I hope so. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure I understand that question. Um, um Hmm. Um, well, I think in terms of, since I don't know specifics, it's hard for me to speak specifically. So culturally, I would say that um, we should have a familial type culture where there is the ability to have give and take. Where there, wherever there is the opportunity for Christian liberty, where things aren't like blatantly, you know, uh, you can't do this or you need to do that. Um, in scripture, then I think we should be able to, um, you know, have a different, some give and take. So like, like, you know, I mean, some people, um, you know, I think stay balanced showed that like, there should be that within politics, right? That we should be able to, to, to give and take as it relates to that. I think it should be, um, you know, other things that might be, you know, give and take might be how you school your children, <clears throat> how you parent your children, um, again, there's not like specific direction given to like, hey, after this happened, then you do that, you know. Um, but there are, there, there's a trajectory, right? Uh, train them up and the nurturing the admonition of the Lord. So that's a trajectory. But within that, within that, 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 that imperative, there's like a lot of room in terms of like, okay, um, do you do time out? Do you? Do you spank? Do you do this? Which, I mean, spanking is biblical, just so everyone knows. Um, time out isn't mentioned in scripture. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but, but it can be used, right? It's not, you don't spank your children for everything, right? You shouldn't, you shouldn't be spanking them for it. Like, they, they spill some milk. Oh, God, dog it. You know, I mean, like, no. Um, that's, 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 that, that would be wild right there. Um, yeah. Um, but there, but there's, <clears throat> but there's, there's liberty in that. What, you know, what kind of car is too nice? I told you I was pushing the 03 Forester for years. It got me where I needed to go. If I, if our members come in a BMW or Lexus, I ain't gonna be like, man, what they doing, driving? You know, I'm not gonna be like that. I'm gonna be like, hey man, that joint's nice. I appreciate nice things, so I'll be like, hey man, that's nice, man. Can I drive it? No, no, I wouldn't be like that. Um, but there should be, there should be, there should be, there should be, the give and take should just look like what, what script, like we shouldn't hold each other to standards that scripture doesn't hold us to. Um, we should be okay with that. Um, you know, do you have to buy a house or do you like, like, you know, they're, they're just, there's a lot of room for diversity, not just in the way we look, but in the way we behave, as long as it's not ungodly. 
So I hope that that, that helps some uh, uh, with that with that question, but there's going to be there's going to be we want a church where there's a spectrum of like how you um, do some of the things that come natural in human life. Um, we don't want us to be step for a step for church where everybody looks the same. Uh, you know, we all I mean, we want to be able to do that as it relates to like the glory of God. But. You know. How tall my wife's heels are is not like one of those, and her heels be tall. I mean, she be looking so tall that she look like she my height. Then when we, when she get, we get home, she like, man, what? You know? So there's, no, there's nothing in scripture that says don't do that. Now, someone else may not like that. I mean, you know, so it's, there's, there's give and take there, you know? As a matter of fact, one person even told me um, that, um, no, nah, I'm not going to say it because it might seem to give my wife like too much credit, but they were surprised with my wife's personality because of the hills. So, you know, so, but then once they got to know her, they saw, okay, well, she's not who I thought she was. She's different than that. But she gave, but she gave her a chance, right? That's, that's some of the give and take. Okay, I had this perception, but, oh, man, my interaction is different. So we should be able to engage one another in a family kind of way. Because with family, you can't get away from each other, so you work through a lot of things together. We're done with the questions. This one is not a question, but this person wanted to just thank you again for your obedience and delivering another wonderful and inspiring message. Thank you, person. My response always to that is please keep me in your prayers. And Jasmine, you have one more thing to say? Yes, our beloved Jean Munson turns 85 this Tuesday, so happy birthday, Jean. Jean is the oldest member of our church, so Jean, if you're watching, happy birthday to you. What, what day is that? Tuesday? Okay. All right. Happy birthday, Jean. Love you, man. Miss you, too. Miss all y'all. Bless y'all.